Hi, I'm Biz. I'm a working parent with a kid and a teen. It's been 10 years since the show began, and a lot has changed on the show and in the world. But by elevating the voices of others, we have learned we are not alone, and we are doing a good job. This is still a show about life after giving life. This is One Bad Mother. This week on One Bad Mother, am I too broken to be nice to myself? We talk to Susan Verde about her new book, Say One Kind Thing. Plus, Biz is. Woohoo! Biz, I yes. am calling with a check-in for you. Oh. I love you, Biz. I feel like I have grown as a mom listening to you over the last 10 plus years. Um, I love One Bad Mother, and I love the whole community that surrounds it. And I just listened to the new episode from last week about how your son, Ellis, was diagnosed with autism. I have a son who was also diagnosed with autism when he was young. And I just want to say you're doing a great job. It can be so hard being a parent to any child, especially one who is differently wired. And kudos to you and Stefan for taking him to get an assessment, for listening to that inner voice and saying, you know, what's going on? How can we better help him? And I personally love this quote that says, don't let the diagnosis be a ceiling. Let it be a foundation. And I truly believe that parents can best help their kids when they understand what's going on. And it's a very emotional journey. But kudos to you for getting the diagnosis. And I hope that through all of the emotions and confusion that you are able to better support him in the ways that he needs support. And you're just doing a great job. And I love you. Bye. Okay, now I am going to be very upset. (laughs) Thank you. First of all, you're doing a very good job. And I really appreciate the call. Um, You're right. There's a lot of emotional navigation happening. And I think so many of you out there can appreciate and relate to trying to parent the best you can under duress. And I am also very thankful and love the community that surrounds One Bad Mother. And I am glad that you are all there because it helps me not feel so alone. So thank you. Really, I do appreciate the check-in for me. I am very happy. Like you said, I really like the quote too, that that the diagnosis is a foundation, not an emotion. That is very helpful. And I think very applicable to to a lot of different diagnoses. So that is helpful because everything else is the emotion it feels like. <laughs> so 
You are doing such a good job, and I appreciate you calling. I am doing a good job. I'm doing a good job. I'm doing a good job. And it's important to tell myself that right now so that I believe it. And I think that's actually going to tie in really nicely to what we're going to talk about today with our guest, Susan Verde, who has written a memoir entitled Say One Kind Thing, Lessons in Acceptance, Love, and Letting Go. And yes, I do ask her if one can be too broken and tired to tolerate this book. (laughs) So stick around. We'll be right back with that. We have a Jumbotron. Everyone, this is a Jumbotron message from Cinnamon with an S. Hi, everyone. Cinnamon Chameleon here. I'm an author of sometimes cutesy, sometimes trashy sci-fi, fantasy, and contemporary romance. Titles like A Trashy Pirate Romance, Sugar Plum Tea, and A Trashy Christmas Romance, all of them available on Amazon, Smashwords, Nook, Kobo, Apple Books, and more. That's Cinnamon with an S. Oh my gosh, Cinnamon, I love you. And that sounds exactly like something I need right now. (laughs) Anything that says trashy in the title has got me. So everybody go support your fellow listener, Cinnamon with an S. Check her out on Amazon, Smashwords, Nook, Kobo, Apple Books, and more. And thank you, Cinnamon. You are doing a good job. If you have something that you would like me to shout out about you or about someone you love or someone who may just need to hear they're doing a good job, you can buy a Jumbotron. All you have to do is go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. Please take a moment to remember, if you're friends of the hosts of One Bad Mother, you should assume that when we talk about other moms, we're talking about you. If you are married to the host of One Bad Mother, we definitely are talking about you. Nothing we say constitutes professional parenting advice. Ms. and Teresa's children are brilliant, lovely, and exceedingly extraordinary. Nothing said on this podcast about them implies otherwise. Everybody, I am... (laughs) While tired, I am still very excited to be speaking with Susan Verde. Man, could this not have been timed more perfectly. Susan grew up in the heart of Greenwich Village in New York City. As a kid, she kept a piece of chalk in her pocket for spontaneous hopscotch. I absolutely love that. And her skate key around her neck, ready for the next adventure. She found inspiration everywhere and loved to write all about it. And now she lives by the sea in East Hampton. Hampton, New York, where she writes books for readers of all ages, including the number one New York Times bestselling I Am series, and teaches kids yoga and social emotional awareness. And her new book that is coming out, a memoir, I'm going to say the title correctly, Say One Kind Thing, Lessons in Acceptance, Love, and Letting Go. Welcome, Susan. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. And I will try not to overstimulate your brain that's very tired right now, but no promises. It, it could help. It could help. I want to start by asking who lives in your house? 
Who lives in my house? Well, I will start with the creatures that are in front of me. I have a dog, Gizmo, and I have a hairless cat, Dakota. And I have a cat with hair. I know it's all too much. <laughs> Oliver. And I have a tarantula named Cuddles. So those are all my non-humans. And then I have a child, a 17-year-old mm. lives with me. And actually, I changed their name in the book. So I'm not sure. It's it's so interesting to talk about them. I'm not sure if I should keep the name that I changed it to, or <laughs> it's, very, you know, it's a lot in the brain, but they are living with me. And then I ha do have two other children, but they're off in college. So they live with me on and off. And that, that's who's in my house. <laughs> I'm kind of like, who cares about your children? <laughs> Tell me about the hairless cat. I, oh okay. my God, he's the best. Of he is course. the best. He's an alien. Yeah. I think he's an alien who's sort of sent here in cat form, but isn't uh -huh. really doing a very good job of being a cat. So he's <laughs> I don't know what he is, a little roasted chicken or something. Oh God, it's weird. Is it weird to touch them? <laughs> it is a little weird. You kind of have to massage them instead of petting. Um, it's a whole thing. How... I gotta ask. I mean, because you got you got a dog, and you've you've got a hair full dog, and a, another cat that has hair. So I'm discounting the allergies at this point. <laughs> How did you then get a hairless one in your house? Well, the the two with hair, so they are <laughs> supposedly their breeds are the most right. sort of non-allergy, but who knows? <laughs> and um, I don't know, my son. <laughs> Asked for a hairless cat and I put up a lot of resistance and then finally I just gave in and wow. uh, it's here. Was your child disappointed or did they like, because you know, my kids ask for like a lot of right. things and I am like happy to indulge, uh, especially when it comes to animals. However, there's some animals I've just said no, because it's going to fall to me. I'm looking at you and a tarantula right now, but I am wondering, like, I can see my kid Ellis being like, oh yeah, I want a hairless cat. And then I'd be like, Bleh. and then finally I'd be like, okay, I can love things. And I would bring the hairless cat. And then Ellis would be like, that is the grossest thing I've yeah. ever seen. There was that risk. Yeah. No, everybody in the house is in love with this cat. He's just like the funniest, cutest, silliest thing. So no, everyone okay. fell in love with him. The, the tarantula... Eh. He's, yeah. he's pretty low maintenance, though, so, you know, <laughs> whatever, whatever it is. is. Is the tarantula like a kid is now in college and now you have a tarantula? Yeah, I okay. Am, I am the proud owner of, of a tarantula. A tarantula. <laughs> he really does. He doesn't require that much. Just crickets, water, hello, <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> Circle of life. <laughs> uh, all right. I want to, uh, because I mean, every... <laughs> Even just the idea of the hairless cat makes me think of the title of your book, just like letting go, love and acceptance. Before I jump into your new book, I, I want to ask you a question that I, I think might lead into the book. Usually I ask authors questions like, what led you to write this book? But for you, I you have written this like very long running, very in depth series for kids, titled "I Am." So there's like "I Am Courage," "I Am Empathy." I it's this "I Am" series, and so I want to ask you, who are you? And 
was the answer part of this book? <laughs> that is a really good question. And no one has actually ever asked me that before. You know, I visit a lot of schools and the kids are always doing projects and creating I am statements. And, uh -huh. and no one has ever said, what are you? Um, and I think, though, if I had to answer that, I'm sure later I'll be like, oh, I should have said. <laughs> but in the moment, I would say I am a beautiful work in progress. That would be what I am. So I think with that in mind, you know, that's kind of the message that I ultimately want to send to kids with these books that I write. Sort of you are, you already have all the tools within yourself, you're growing, you're learning, and you have the ability to love yourself and also take care of others. And, you know, I, I was thinking about it and I'm like, okay, I say that, I talk about that. Sometimes kids will say to me, are you always mindful? Do you ever get mad? And I'm like, uh, no, I'm not. And yes, I do. <laughs> but in thinking about that, I sort of felt like, okay, if I could Kind of take all the things I'm I'm breaking down for kids and talk about my own journey with these things and how I've you know succeeded, how I'm still working on it, what's going on for me, and just it's not a you know a shoulds or a how to. It's just a, this is my experience, and maybe maybe you felt this too. So that's how I kind of got there. You know, we we joke, and I husband and I joke a lot about the imposter syndrome, like how everybody's going to discover, I don't know what the fuck I am doing in a variety of different roles that I play <laughs> in my life. Um, so as this book was taking shape, do you, I mean, was part of the journey to applying what you're, you're teaching kids and making sure that you're embracing yourself, is this, was this a something that sort of developed through your through writing this new book or was it one of those things where you're like oh they're going to find out I'm a fraud I don't I'm not actually doing half this stuff that oh, I'm telling yeah. kids to do and like uh, oops totally the letter I mean uh -huh. I, you know I think it started out with the best of intentions like yeah. oh you know, okay I'm going to show how I walk the walk you know and da -da -da. Yeah. and then as I'm writing I'm like holy shit, what am I, you know, I'm exposing so much of what I don't know and what I struggle with and what I like that. Yeah, everybody's going to find out I'm a complete fraud. But there you go. Oh, well, good. Everybody, cool. you can get you find don't out. Have to think about it anymore. It's out there. <laughs> That's right. Find out how Susan is a complete fraud at <laughs> Amazon.com. Um, yeah. All right. So just starting right at the beginning, I, I'm just going to ask you, who am I supposed to be teaching? Who am I accepting? Who am I loving? And what am I letting the fuck go? And how can I let it go? And all of those things. Talk yeah. to me about the purpose of, Got it. of this. It's you, you know, you're supposed yeah. to be loving you. You're That's hard. Be, which is very hard really hard and you're supposed to be accepting yourself and letting go of the things you can't control that you desperately especially as a parent want to control all the time and that that is who it is for what and who you're supposed to you know who is saying a kind thing it's it's me saying it to myself that being said it's really sort of like this is the struggle to do all these things. You know, these are not things that just because I say, tell yourself one kind thing or just let it go or whatever, that that's possible. 
uh, it's work for everyone. Yeah, I don't want to work anymore, Susan. I'm very tired. I feel like I'm working all the time. And and yet I understand that it's work as a professional going to therapist person. Can a person be, just asking for a friend, sure. can a person be too haggard and broken to, to, to jump into a book like this? You know, I'm reading the book and like I... Like, we've certainly talked about mindfulness on this show. We have certainly talked about self-care. All of these things are very hard to achieve at times when you are burned out. And I like a good mantra, but my, like, the best mantra I can come up with is banana, a family mantra that we have said forever to calm the mind. But is there, tell me, (laughs) how, how can a reader step into this in a kind way. How can you advise me to come into this book in a way that doesn't make me go like, ah, I've heard this before. Right. And I'm assuming that was part of your journey as well for yourself. Yeah. I mean, first of all, mindfulness and self-care, as much as those, you know, words are in our vernacular and whatever, like they can be super triggering because it's kind of like, screw you. Like stop Uh, telling me to take a bubble bath or go get a (laughs) fucking pedicure or whatever it is that's going to, you know, take care of myself. Like, come on, I have a life going on. Yeah. I, yeah, I uh, so get that. And I think, For me, the intention of this book is, again, not to tell you like, this is what you should do every day in order to be kinder to you. And this is what you, it's sort of what I do as a parent, what I try to do as a teacher, whatever it is, is kind of just model what I do, what I've been through, what I still struggle with, so that at least someone at the very least can feel like, there's something relatable there. There's something that they've experienced. There's something that they've seen. There's some little tidbit that maybe they can pull out and adjust and use for their own, you know, care and uh, comfort. But it's really not, it's my experience. So it's just come along on this journey. Mm -hmm. I see you. And if you're having trouble, you know, this is what's helped me. It may not help you, but this is what's going on sort of in the world. So, you know, I'm never asking for you to do, do the work. Right. I'm just showing you what it's done for me and you can do with it what you will, but hopefully you'll feel some connection. Yeah. I think that it's the feeling seen. It's the feeling not isolated, not alone in an experience that you're having, because I mean, even I mean, I come on this show every week and talk about how not alone we all are and that, you know, whatever you're going through, somebody is simultaneously going through it. And yet I still have moments where I feel completely alone. So even though we know the truth, it's hard to sometimes navigate to the other side of it. So, you know, I, I agree. I think it's not... And I don't think the book does this. I don't think the book does advice, right? Like, it, or, or how to. It is a 
this is where I am. And I, I and that leads me to the question was there's something I'm always, and I'm sure we all can be surprised by things that we thought we had taken care of emotionally. <laughs> we had we had done the work on, or we had just crammed into a little box and shoved away and hadn't thought about it. And you're you're very open in the book. I, you start off with your experiences when you were younger with self-image and you go to that first yoga. I don't think any of us have ever, if you've ever gone to your first yoga class <laughs> with the assumption of what it's going to be like and how you're going to be in comparison to everyone else, you are not alone. Yes. Because I, I was like, oh, are you reading my diary, Susan, <laughs> about going to the yoga? So was it hard to be open? And was there anything in writing the book that you found surprisingly difficult or or just surprised you, just caught you off guard and how it made you feel? Honestly, it was very difficult. <laughs> I, I remember when I got the, the you know, I, I was so eager to do this project and I was ready and I signed the contract. And then I thought, oh my God, I now have to write this fucking thing. Yeah. And I thought, you know, so it, it the, the process was hard because I wanted to be open and vulnerable. And I thought, you know, either I'm going to go full in on that or what's the point? So there were definitely moments along the way where I would stop and say, oh my God, I can't believe I just shared that. And what is, and you know, it's easier to think of a bunch of strangers reading it than people I know, right? you know, things like that. Like, oh my gosh, they, maybe they think I hold it together, but really I'm a mess, you yeah. know? So all the way through things surprised me. But one of the things I think that sort of reminded me of the things that I shoved away in a box or thought I'd take care of is, you know, every time I talk about my kids, I mean, mm. you know, there is nothing like having children to bring up all your old <laughs> trauma and wounds and things that you thought you might have figured out, but really have not. So that was interesting to kind of talk about those things and actually look at them, you know, with a little bit of distance as I'm yeah. writing. And then I think to myself, oh, I can't believe I did that, you know. So yeah, there oh. were a lot of tough moments in the writing. But again, I just had to do it or or there was no point in doing it. Yeah, but I think that that's really fair. I mean, I you can have a kid in your house for only like for less than a year and already second guess or think about a choice you made and and was that the right choice and or is that me I mean like you know I remember the first time I saw a kid being a jerk and I just not only my kid being a jerk but the first time I also saw another kid being a jerk and I remember being like it just brought up all the stuff of you know what do I do do I step in do I try and control this how do I fix this and then no one seemed to oh everything just rolled off everybody except for me interesting right. right no I get that actually there's a there's a yeah. part of the book I think when I talk about a kid being mean to my yeah. child and how the, I just yeah, yeah I know. No way, you know how dare you and then, <laughs> no you're ugly no yeah. you are no you are <laughs> that's right it was on the playground that that happened for for a year yeah why didn't your kid what was it it was something like 
what was it? It was why doesn't your kid? Oh, because my son was only you know wearing pajamas at this point. He oh was, yeah, yeah. Why is your kid pajamas? wearing pajamas? Yeah, <laughs> and it was like such a nothing question, right? I, I mean, why wouldn't you ask that? Why? Yeah. And I was like, oh, all this stuff in my brain about you know why are you judging my child and is he going to feel insecure and how am I going to interrupt this? And for my son, he was like, whatever. Yeah. And then it later came and said, why did you answer that question like, for I me? Answer it. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I'm like reading that and I was like, oh no, oh no, it's go. Oh, I don't do it. Don't do it. Susan, <laughs> you know, because we've all done it, right? Like we've all stepped right in it. And, yeah. but, and as they get older, they, you, all you're getting is more time to reflect and, you know, pick on yourself. Right. So how do you, okay, I'm going to ask you like a really, uh, it's not a dumb question. It's a very simple question that I don't know if there is an answer to, but I kind of want to wrap up on it. And, and it's how, and maybe it's just how did you, I've, I'm paying attention to the language that you're using, and you're using very kind language for yourself. Like when I asked, so who are you? You know, I am a beautiful work in progress. Like I heard the word beautiful, and I heard, I think that that, how does one start saying nice things to themselves and keep it up consistently? It's not a dumb question and it is a hard one to answer. And, you know, it's interesting because I remember when I was, when I was in the process of getting a divorce and we went to therapy and the therapist said, well, I want you both to, to speak nicely to each other, even if you don't mean it, just fake it till you make it. And it'll be, and I was like, that yeah. is never going to work. And it did not work. And, you know. <laughs> I, you know, it's pretty clear when you don't mean it, Yeah. but as far as being kind to yourself, it's sort of that kind of same idea, just starting somewhere with something like I, I could have said I'm a work in progress and I intentionally threw in that beautiful, just for me to remind myself that like, you know, this is how I want to see myself. I don't, I don't mean that I'm like a beauty queen, but just like, no. besides yeah. as, you know, this is how I want to view myself. So if I want to see myself that way, I'm going to throw that word in there because words over time do, you know, make a difference, make a dent. So in that case, if you're going to fake it till you make it, it, it could, you know, it could work. Um, but there will be times when you think you are being so nice to yourself and then, you are not. Yeah. And so just kind of going into it, knowing that, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to try when I can to remember these nice things. Or if I'm in front of my kids, not to call myself a jerk or, you know, stuff like that. And then it becomes a little more natural, but also knowing that, you know, at some point you're going to screw the whole thing up and start again. And that's okay. Yeah. No, it's, I, I liked the, like, don't, say that you're a jerk in front of your kids. I had a friend, and I know I've shared the story, listeners have probably heard it 8 million times because I am now my mother. <laughs> but I can remember I was talking to, I had, you know, one of my really good friends 
you know, we'd be talking on the phone, having conversations or out at lunch. And eventually they just said, you keep calling yourself an asshole. Stop it. And I hadn't even been aware that that had become such a habit for me to dismiss myself and be like, oh, I'm sorry, I'd be such an asshole about that, right? You know, and and I wasn't most of the time, though maybe I was, doesn't matter. I don't need to be calling myself that, oh. right? Like people can say that in the privacy of their own homes to each other. Yeah. I don't need to do it. And it, but, but it was such a like snap to moment. Yeah, of course. Uh, and it was as simple as not say. I mean, I think sometimes... It's the not saying something is also really helpful. Absolutely. I think that's just as powerful. You know, if you can refrain from saying that really <laughs> mean thing to yourself, you don't have to replace it with something perfectly beautiful and kind. Just right. let that part of it go, right? <laughs> don't say that. Yeah, don't call yourself an asshole. And, and, you know, now as the kids are older, they can call me out on those things. Mm-hmm. When they were younger and if I was doing that, it, I don't, you know, I, they, they didn't, they didn't have the words they didn't understand or whatever. But now if I say like, oh, I'm such a fucking asshole, <laughs> they're like, mom, don't say that to yourself. You made a mistake. No big deal. Whatever, whatever, which is really nice yeah. to that point, but also kind of annoying, you know, when they're like, you're not being very mindful and you're like, oh my God, please stop judging me. But, you know. <laughs> Yay for children. Uh, <laughs> they're the best, though. They, they are 90s, <laughs> sometimes percent of the time yeah. the best. Depends on the day. <laughs> Susan, thank you for joining me. Thank you for writing this book as well as the whole series. Everybody, we're going to link you up to where you can find out about the I Am series, which is such a great book for children as well, I, you know, as well as for you adults. You know, just because it's in the children's section does not mean it's only for children. How many times have I had to say that? As well as Say One Kind Thing, Lessons in Acceptance, Love, and Letting Go. For yourself, everybody. Go get that for you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on. I I love this podcast and I love what you talk about. And, you know, I'm I'm right there with you. So excellent. Thank you. If you have trouble falling asleep, try sleeping with celebrities. Tell me about your view of of succulents. I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan. It's a different kind of sleep podcast. There are some real benefits to parking illegally. Featuring remarkable guests and unremarkable topics. There's two Orlando airports. From the creator of Depression Mode with John Moe, it's Sleeping with Celebrities. Every week on Maximum Fun. Nighty night, sleepyheads. Hi, I'm Jesse Thorne, the founder of Maximum Fun, and I have a special announcement. I'm no longer embarrassed by my brother, my brother, and me. You know, for years, each new episode of this supposed advice show was a fresh insult, a depraved jumble of erection jokes, ghost humor, and 
Frankly, this is for the best, very little actionable advice. But now, as they enter their twilight years, I'm as surprised as anyone to admit that it's gotten kind of good. Justin, Travis, and Griffin's witticisms are more refined, like a humor column in a fancy magazine. And they hardly ever say Bazinga anymore. So, after you've completely finished listening to every single one of all of our other shows, why not join the McElroy brothers every week for My Brother, My Brother and Me? Hey, you know what it's time for this week's Genius and Fails. This is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week, as well as our failures, and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours. You can share some of your own by calling 206-350-9485. That's 206-350-9485. Genius fail time, everybody. Wow. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I saw what you did. Oh, my God. I'm paying attention. Wow. You, Mom, are a genius. Oh, my God. That's fucking genius. All right. Here's my genius. So I had a parent from school who's also a listener reach out and check in with me, given everything that's kind of going on. And (laughs) she said... I can make you pies. And I said, yes, I will take your pies. And about a week and a half later, pies arrived. I I honestly, I got to assume she made these pies from scratch. There was a apple pie. And then there was this chocolate cream pie that is, and, and I almost missed the pie. The pies came. I was like in you know, crisis mode over at my mom's apartment, you know, every day, every day. And the children were enjoying the pie, which is good. That's also a purpose for the pie. (laughs) Then Sunday night, I was like, I need some of this pie right now. And I did. I just took like the most uh, ridiculous slice of pie and ate it for dinner. And it was perfect. Hi, this is a genius. My one-and-a-half-year-old is out sick all day, and today I learned her how to say shit and Rihanna. That's great, right? (laughs) You're doing a good job. Bye. Yes. See? Homeschooling or unlearning or force. It's one of those things. You're doing an amazing job. Those are two very important words and concepts. So, good job. (laughs) I look forward to the YouTube video. Failures. Fail, 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 fail! You suck. Well, I continue to uh, fail Ellis somehow. Maybe some days it's Tuesday. Some days it's not spending enough time after an entire day together. Sometimes it's not telling them a thing that I've told them multiple times. I'm not, I'm not sure... But it is as I grow more and more tired and pulled thin, I am finding that like less and less like a fun thing. It feels like a failure. I just get yelled at. I get yelled at, everybody. I don't like it. I don't want to be yelled at. Hi, <laughs> Biz. I'm calling with another fail. I called her earlier today. It's one of those <laughs> days. I got a new puzzle jigsaw puzzle from my in-laws for Christmas. It's really nice. I finally have been able to start working it. 
So I get 750-piece puzzle. I have the edge done. I have most of the middle done, like really probably 70% of this puzzle is done. I got to that point before I realized that the entire inside that I had been working inside the edge was upside down, like relative to the edge of the puzzle. <sighs> anyway, I just successfully turned it by sticking pieces of paper under it, but yeah, that's just that's just how my day's going. Hope yours is better. Thanks for the hotline, Biz. It's really helpful to hear you say I'm doing a good job. You are too. Bye. You are doing a horrible job taking care. Look, as a puzzler myself, I see you, and I know the importance of a puzzle. It's, it is a comfort to have control over something. I'm picking up a piece. I, I'm not sure where it goes yet. Oh, that's where it goes. It goes with this one. There's no debate. <laughs> this is where the piece goes. And boom, I did it. I did the thing I needed. Oh, there it is. And it's it's exactly how I envisioned the picture would be. I think that comfort comes from being a parent, hoping that parenting will be like a jigsaw puzzle. And it's not. So you have this, your failure is thinking that this puzzle was going to be respite from, from the parenting uh, that you can't control. And then all you did was turn it into a, like a classic parenting situation, right? I'm going to put all these pieces where they're supposed to go. It's exactly right. I have control. I have control. I have made a horrible mistake. I did not have the... It, this is not the outcome I thought I was going to have. This is supposed to be nice. It's not. So there. You can't, you can't have any fun. How about that? That's your fail. Are the greatest mom I've ever known. I love you, I love you. When I have a problem, I call you on the phone. I love you, I love you. All right, everybody, let's listen to a mom have a breakdown. This is a rant against clothing retailers and how I can't get on their holiday schedule. I don't understand. I don't understand. Somehow, by October 1st, I had already been getting the leftovers for Halloween. Like, what? November, December. Always nuts. Fully expected to have to, like, pick through leftovers on those by the time I got my act together. But, like, right now, it's February 2nd. It's Groundhog Day. It was just declared six more weeks of winter. And I have an infant who apparently is the largest baby because anything that I thought I had tried to get him for Valentine's Day, <clears throat> nope, does not fit. So I went to a kind of mid-level child clothing store um, <laughs> that also, like, you know, shares their brands with other clothing stores. It's getting a hint great. Um, and my three-year-old also... Can't keep track of mittens. Can't keep track of mittens to save her, save her life. So I go to this child's clothing store and, hey, do you have any mittens? Uh, yeah, I think we put them in the back already. Y'all, it's February 2nd. I know it's the South, but, like, it's still cold. And my kid still has cold hands right now. And she's still three, so it's already a crapshoot if these mittens are even going to make it to the end of this winter. I 
be next week. I get that. But, like, <laughs> again, I still don't know if they're going to make it a week. And so, all right, fine. We get mittens for her. Hey, also, where Jared? Did I just walk in and miss your Valentine's Day in this place? <laughs> oh, no, we put it in the back already. Y'all, it's February 2nd. How is the Valentine's choices in the back already? I... I only knew what size my kid was going to be for Valentine's Day today. And who knows what size he's going to be for St. Patrick's Day six and a half weeks from now. You need me to commit right now to what size? I don't know. Look at him, he's huge. Yeah, I hear you talking back there. So I just, can we, can we at least leave holiday clothing out, you know, through at least part of the month that the holiday belongs to? I saw they had their Easter stuff out and their spring yeah. line, and it's very cute. And Easter is going to be mid-April this year, y'all. I fully expect it to be put away by St. Patrick's Day. They're just going to be like, what? You didn't plan ahead? I can't plan ahead. These kids keep growing. Don't you? Your sizes for infants come in three, six, nine, twelve months. That means every three months, it's a new size. And even then, even then, they don't always make it to three months. I'm not gonna. He's not going to make it another three months of this same size. Oh, well, then you just got to size up. How? Because now it goes 12 months, 18 months, 24 months. Oh, yeah. And what does that even mean? What? Mm. I don't, I don't. I know this time is short, and I'm trying to be there forever. I can't have one side telling me, oh, just be in the moment. And the other side be like, but if you don't get your cute holiday outfit three months in advance, you're going to miss it. I can't. I can't. If anyone has any tips and tricks on how to navigate this. I'm all ears because apparently I'm not good at it. No, I am good at it. It's February 2nd. I'm two weeks ahead of Valentine's Day. I'm thinking of, oh, no, my kid needs a Valentine's outfit. And I'm already too late, two weeks ahead? Rude. So rude. Sorry, Biz. I just yelled at you a lot, but thank you for being yeah. a place where I can yell. I'm going to take a deep breath, and I'm going to go pick up my older kid from school in an outfit that she put together by herself that doesn't even match. So I don't know why I'm freaking worried about any of this. <sighs> Thank you. Goodbye. Oh, yeah, no. For, okay, first of all, you're doing a good job. Especially doing a good job of being very committed to seasonal fashion. Okay, that is just the greatest thing to really hang your hat on. And I love it. And I support it. Fully. And when you said, does anybody have any tips for how to navigate it? All I could think of, like the only tip that came to mind besides, fuck it, was just you're going to be the person who you just, if it is St. Patrick's Day, then you wear Easter clothes. Do you hear me? If it is Easter, you bust out that Christmas. You bust out whatever's in the store is what you're wearing. I think you should. It's still technically holiday clothes. You're still dressing your child for the holiday. It's just not the holiday that it is. And it's not just clothes. We all know this. I, you know, I had a genius this year before February. In January, the Target, the Target had uh, the Valentine candy at. I, I clearly I just happened to walk in the day they stocked the shelves and I got the class valentines right and I didn't lose them and that was wonderful 
two days before Valentine's Day. I was like, oh, I haven't really gotten stuff for my kids. Oops, I forgot to get like little cards for the kids, card for the husband, you know, like box. We always have like a little box of chocolate for each kid. And I go back to Target and it's like the first days of the pandemic shutdown, right? Like Like there's, it's gutted. It's gutted. There are just empty shelves in the holiday section. There are like either the like giant boxes of candy that are too big. No one's buying that box of candy for their kid. Or (laughs) it's the ones where you're like, you shake the box of chocolate and you think those are just rocks. Those are hard, now gone stale, Russell Stover's chocolates. There was Easter candy out, already starting to fill the shelves. And what was worse was watching the parents and their elementary school kid coming in to grab something for the next step, for the Valentine's Day class exchange. And it was horrible. It was like, it was like watching, like getting... (laughs) Knowing you received the last, like, tampon in an apocalypse situation and everybody else has shown up to buy them. And you're like, I'm sorry, I've used it. And now, I, but I can't tell you. I don't want you to know that I got it, right? You, I have to watch you realize that you're not going to have things to give to the, and then you have to, like, watch them go through the decisions of, do we, are we going to go to other stores? Are we going to go home and make it by hand? Are we going to just say, fuck it and give kids Easter candy? Like that sort of, and and just the realization that it should still be there. And that's what you're saying. The clothes should still be there. The candy should still be there. I, 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 do people not know how people work? If you're selling something to people who have children in their house, you need to have it available as long as possible. Because no one's coming early for it, all right? And it is not just you. It has gotten worse as we have progressed. It has gotten worse and worse. The cycle, you're right, summer clothes are out. You are screwed if you need a mitten in January, all right? You are screwed if you need a mitten in February, you're, you're not going to, boots, I, rain boots for children also. I'm That's one that you can't prepare for, especially if you live in a place like California where it may or may not rain in a whole year. And so when you get the rain boots, they are one size. By the time you need the rain boots, they are uh, in men's shoes, right? And and you're like, I, that that doesn't help. I see you. I appreciate uh, the, again, commitment to seasonal clothing. I also applaud you for the eventual slow march into not giving a shit about any of it one day. Or you may not, or you may be really good at this. You may find some secret key to unlocking the seasonal clothing. You are doing a good job, and I see you. Everybody, you're all doing a good job. It is a lot, and I appreciate knowing that I am not alone out there in what I'm dealing with, and I want to remind you that you are not alone. 
with anything that you are going through. It is messy. It is hard. It is constantly changing. And it is at best impossible on most days. So go out there. Remind yourself. Tell yourself that. Remind yourself. What did we just learn from Susan? Remind yourself that you are doing a good job. Say it to yourself. Say it out loud right now. You're walking. It's the middle of the night. You're in your car. I am doing a good job. You are doing a good job. I will talk to you next week. I got to low down mama blues. I got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. You know that right. We'd like to thank Max Bunn, our producer, Gabe Mara, my husband, Stephen Lawrence, our perfect children who provide us with inspiration to say all these horrible things. And of course, you, our listeners. To find out more about the songs you heard on today's podcast and more about the show, please go to MaximumFun.org slash OneBadMother. For information about live shows, our book, and press, please check out OneBadMotherPodcast.com. One Bad Mother is a member of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. To support the show, go to MaximumFun.org slash join. Well, Daddy, baby, bustin' by, got low down mama blues. Oh, said Daddy, baby, bustin' by, got low down mama blues. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.